Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast live at Freedom Fest in South Dakota. My name is Nate Thurston. To my left is Charles Chuck Thompson. And to my right is Anthony Davies, professor of economics at Duquesne University. It is an honor to speak to you today. Thanks for having me, Nate. How's Freedom Fest been treating you so far? Oh, it's great. People here are wonderful. Yeah. Do you go every year? No, no, this is my second time. The first time I went, uh, Bill Shatner was the guest. And being a huge Star Trek fan, mm-hmm. I was not going to miss that. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm a little upset that I missed that. There was, there for something like $400, you could get into a private meet and greet. I saved my pennies for a year. <laughs> I was not missing that. Man, so you met, in my mind, I mean, that is the Captain Kirk right there. I mean, that is the it's real. the only. That yeah. is the man right there. And I can't handle anyone else being the captain other well, than I tell him, you, really. I, but I, I say, yeah, I agree with you in spirit. But honestly, Chris Pine, I think, does a decent job. You're, yeah, that's actually, pretty good. I think they did a good job covering the characters in the new movies. Yeah. The guy who plays Bones actually does a really oh great job. God. Yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. His, his voice is amazing in that. Yeah. So this so, Freedom Fest isn't near as good. I mean, <laughs> last year was like the pinnacle. Right. That's right. It's yeah. all my, my whole life is downhill it's from here. Downhill. <laughs> Man, you've done reached everything. You right. need. Doesn't even seem worth it anymore. Okay. So the reason I I, I grabbed you earlier and I apologize for I'm sure people are gra- just telling you to come come talk to them all the time. But I I watched the YouTube video. It's been some years ago now. It was called Why Government Fails, and it was perhaps uh, one of the, I feel like one of the most important <laughs> videos I had watched in a really long time, other than maybe some music videos or dance videos, things like that. But this was right up there with, uh, with a lot of Gangnam Style, things like that oh, on, yeah, on YouTube, yeah. right up there. And in that video, you talked a lot about incentives. You told the story. You told the story about the uh, the post office, I believe, and the uh, there was something about the parking. Oh, right, there. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you also talked about the incentive structure for for voting. Who has the incentive to go vote, and That's who right. doesn't have the incentive to go vote? And it really laid out the the perverse incentives that we have when we ask the government to to do things f- for us or on our behalf or to to control these industries. And that's really what I wanted to talk to you about today was just really how important the incentive structures were when it comes to the economy. It it is. You know, it's a strange thing because people tend to apply thoughts of incentives to the business world. So they ask, you know, well, why would a business do this? Or clearly they're in a profit to do X. And so we tend to be very, very critical minded, which is correct when we think about people in, in the marketplace. But somehow when it comes to government, we throw all that out the window. And government is just this magic wand. Pass a law that says everybody should do X, and magically everybody does X. The point is, it's the same human beings in both places, and they respond to incentives in the political sphere exactly the same way as they respond to incentives in the private sphere. When your incentive is to spend the entire budget so that you can get an increase the next year, 
you make damn sure you're going to spend the whole budget. <laughs> it, it is, you know, and, and I think that the thing that really gets people thinking is when I say to them, look, the politician's goal is not to solve problems, or rather it's not solve our problems, it's to solve their problem, which is to get elected. Mm -hmm. And so you have, for example, Joe Biden uh, recently saying, well, we have to spend more money because that's actually going to reduce inflation. That's complete nonsense. Mm -hmm. He knows it's nonsense, but he's banking on the fact that the voters don't. And he'll say whatever it takes for the voters to go along with him and, you know, advance him and his policies. And you just said something that, that we talk about a lot, which is that politicians, they don't have an incentive to solve a problem. What incentive would there be? If you solve the problem, why would people need to vote for you? They again? don't need you anymore. Exactly. Yeah. If anything, yeah. they have an incentive for the problem to persist. They do. Yeah. And and. What I'm wondering is, why don't people ever realize that? Why do we still look at politicians as these magical beings that are going to solve these problems? We have no data to suggest that that's going to happen. No. Is it just, it's all emotions, I guess? It, it's a lot, a lot of his emotion. Um, a lot of it is the fact that these are complicated things to deal with. They're not beyond the average person by any means, but you got to sit down and think about it a little while. It's much easier to not do that and for the guy to say, well, just elect me, I'll solve it. You know, and I'll give you a good case in point. We talk about the poverty, poverty in this country. We, waged, we started to wage a war on poverty back in the 1960s. And prior to the war on poverty, the poverty rate in this country was falling precipitously year after year after year until we started the war on poverty. And poverty flatlined at about 13%. And plus or minus a bit, it's been 13% ever since the 1960s. We have spent $24 trillion adjusted for inflation fighting poverty. Now, hang on a second. If we had taken that same $24 trillion and simply cut a check to every poor household in the country, $50,000 a year, it would have cost us less. In other words, for the same amount of money, we could have eradicated poverty half a century ago. We could eradicate it with Jeff Bezos' net wealth right now. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> right. All we need is $187 billion. <laughs> That's all we need. This $200 billion and poverty has gone. There's no more hungry people at all, and it's all going to be gone. But don't pay attention to the fact that the government spent $24 trillion and we still have this many people in poverty. Yeah, but see, that, that, and that's the point, that the politicians benefit from poverty persisting. Because so long as it persists, they can use it every election cycle. Do you think maybe that this is why the founders set things the way they did? Because they knew, I mean, to me, the Tenth Amendment's one of the most important amendments. I love the Tenth Amendment Center. Um, it, what's not delegated to the federal government, it's left to the states and the people, right? Right. right. So should we have the federal government uh, be deciding health care, for instance? Like, should, no. should Medicare and Medicaid exist and all of these problems, you know, health, the government's trying to solve the health care crisis the, and all that, which is a problem they really created. Uh, and, and so do you think the founders kind of had a vision that these types of things or they experienced these types of things where government or the king, you know, tried to solve problems for the people and made them worse so they could get more power? And that's why they said anything that's not specifically delegated to the, to the federal government is left to the states and the people because... People can make the best decisions for themselves. Yeah, and it's not to say that there should be no Social Security, there should be no Medicare, but rather it should be handled, if it exists at all, it should exist at the state level. And what the founders were doing was something that we all understand works in the private sector, and that's competition. You have a bunch of producers out there producing a thing and let the customers decide which one's better. And the ones that are better will rise to the top, the other ones will drop by the wayside. That's exactly how it's supposed to work in the political sector except the competitors are the states. Let 
let Texas do it one way, let Colorado do it another way, and New York do it a third way, and the ones that work will attract people, will attract businesses. But we've, we have circumvented that whole thing by establishing the federal government as a political monopoly. We impose a single one-size-fits-no-one solution on everybody. Which is why the supremacy clause might be the most dangerous, or, or the, the misinterpretation, I think, of the supremacy clause, where even I was taught in school that the federal government is supreme. Right, uh, because of the supremacy clause, but that's not exactly what it means. Yeah, and, but even then, I think the supremacy clause works if the the federal government remains within its constitutional bounds. Exactly, because it has to be made in pursuance thereof. Yes, is yes. a very important line. You know, speaking of, we we mentioned Jeff Bezos and his rockets. Perhaps uh, he, what Elon Musk did with SpaceX and landing the rockets instead of just dumping them in the yeah, ocean. Right. And I remember him talking one time saying that he told his, his engineers to imagine there was a pallet with $35 million on it falling from the sky. And that was for one of the fairings, I believe, to catch that. Mm -hmm. He said, imagine there's a pallet with $35 million on it falling from the sky. We want to come up with a way to catch that pallet. Why? The government launched rockets for years. Right. They, did, they didn't care about doing that. Right, because they can just turn to the taxpayers mm -hmm. and take money. Not even say, please give me your money. They just take it by force. <laughs> mm, exactly. <laughs> they do. Um, and Much like the White House spent, uh, I believe, somewhere around $25 million on a lobster dinner. So they could, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So they could make sure that they spent the rest of their budget. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and you get this perverse uh, behavior going on of the, of the people in government actually having an incentive to spend more and, I'll say, waste and... Uh, I only partially mean it uh, facetiously, but, but to waste the money. And another thing that I heard you talk about a lot was actually the incentive structure within people voting. And that was just something I wanted our audience to hear was who has the incentive to vote for this new tax or this yeah, new yeah. system? You, know, you did a great job explaining why the people that would directly benefit from it, they have the incentive, but there was a cost to the people who wouldn't benefit yeah. from it. And this is this is one of the things we tend to hold up democracy as this sacrosanct thing. And if, if some if we arrive at a decision by democratic means, well that's the right decision. And and that image of, of democracy ignores a very important point, which is that voting is costly. It's costly in terms of thinking about the problem, of, of collecting information, of coming to a decision, of actually going out and voting. And when you're done, uh, what you have is a situation where the people who have the the people who stand to benefit most from a piece of legislation are the ones that have the incentive to go out and vote for it. And the people who are who are going to lose something, and maybe it's a bad piece of legislation, but if the badness is spread over enough people, none of us has an incentive to fight it. And so the thing gets passed. Uh, is there anything that you think the private market would not do a better job uh, providing those services to the people uh, than what the government does right now? The the private market tends not to be good at things that involve coercion. <laughs> Anything that's backed by physical violence mm -hmm. um, is probably something that, I don't want to say you don't want to leave to, to, to the private sector, but it gives me pause to think mm -hmm. about it in the hands of the private sector. And it, I think those kinds of examples tend to be few and far between. What you find much more of are examples of things the government is doing that the private sector could, could do much better. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, one of the things we think of that the government should be doing is protecting consumers from, from businesses that would defraud them. Well, you need the government in there to do that. And I'll give you an example. I went uh, a couple of years ago, flew to, to Spain, and I had one of my connecting uh, tickets, connections, was on Iberia Airline. And for various reasons, I had to cancel this thing and I need to get my money back and they had a money back policy. 
Iberia makes it incredibly difficult to get your money back. You know, first off, you, you have to call someone on the phone. I'm calling to Spain, and it's a question of the language barrier, all of this thing. And every time I call, they assure me, oh, yes, we'll get your money back, blah, 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 all this stuff. And you can look at this and say, well, there's a place for government because this company has my money wrongfully. It won't hand it back. Now, hang on, because it turns out there's a profit incentive for the market to handle this. What did I do? I called up American Express because I bought the ticket on American Express. I said, I'm having this problem. They said, no problem. Consider your money refunded. I don't know what they did on the back end, but notice something. They've got a profit incentive to do that because every time they do that, I will do what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. I'll say, hey, American Express will guarantee your money. <laughs> and that's worth it. They actually have a profit incentive to protect me from the predatory company. They also need, they even the, even the airline... They, they they need to win your business. Yes, you're not yes. forced to right. use them. Yep. Whereas we are forced to use the government for many things, and so they can steal from you and yeah. not and not give it back. And, and there's no incentive for them to really give you a good product. And why the would they? The poster <laughs> child of this is public education. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've been to many public schools throughout the country. Some of them are actually quite stellar. Many of them are not so. But what's the problem? The problem here is the the students can't escape from the ones that are not so much and move to the ones that are stellar. Yeah, because you have to go to that district. You have to go there, and yeah. more than that, notice the school has, in, in some ways, a perverse incentive to deliver a poor education, because the poor it is, the more they can argue, well, the reason it's poor is because we don't have enough money. Exactly, mm -hmm. that's what you hear every time. We don't have enough money. I always tell people, just when you go to your local DMV, just you know, take in your experience. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. I've lived in small towns and big cities, and it's been almost a similar experience every to everyone I've been to. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Long the longest lines, when you get up there, they're like, "Next, please." You know, it's like, yeah. Well, that's because they, they don't they have don't, enough money to pay the people. That's probably properly. what it is. Actually, yeah. If they have more money, then they mm. would provide a perfect service. I, that's I've got a kid who's uh, <laughs> starting his freshman year of college next year, and I, I, as many American parents, had to go through and fill out the FAFSA form for financial aid and all this stuff. And it's a government form on a government website. Oh, my God. <laughs> the process. Now, look, I'm a smart guy, and I'm smart on not just other things, but particularly on tech. I couldn't figure the damn thing out. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, if I were if I were registering for a bank account online, which is about the same level of complexity, it would be so easy. Why? Because the bank has an incentive to do to, to make it easy for me to deal with them because otherwise I walk away. They have competition. And they've got competition. <laughs> yes. Right. Imagine if I uh, I just ordered I ordered so many things on Amazon last week. Yeah. So yeah. many things. If you imagine if you imagine the forms that, that I have to go through to, right. to, to, to order those things and or maybe I maybe I need to go stand in line for two or three hours to maybe even apply to, to get those things. And I filled the form out wrong, I'm sure. Right. I didn't bring the proper identification and, and several months later maybe you get something or they just send you a letter several months later saying they didn't have that sorry and, and then they keep your money probably right. but that's that's it's a really good uh, example of how the the incentive structure the competition that people have and uh, you, you bring up amazon that's an interesting case because prior to covid people were complaining about how much profit amazon makes and how much bill excuse me bezos is worth and now after covid we're doing the same thing but during covid Mm -hmm. If it weren't for Amazon, we would have been in a heap of trouble. I haven't heard anyone on the left talk about that, by the way. We've mentioned this several times on our show, that the the lack of, I don't want to say gra 
gratitude, really, but the lack of acknowledgement of, the, of how lucky we were that they had that or they had that infrastructure in place, that they were able to send us the things that we needed because everyone who wanted to shut everything down and keep people in their homes, they would not have been able to do that if it weren't for Bezos and Amazon. And not only that, but after they started delivering groceries, I started doing that. Other grocery stores started doing right. grocery delivery. Yes. Instacart yes. was born. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and that was really big. The, the review system, I believe, was born on Amazon uh, as mm-hmm. well for mm-hmm. reviewing the books on there. So there's another thing where you said we don't need the government to protect us from businesses that are going to give us a bad service or steal things. We, they got, we have this review system also. Yeah, and, and here's a good example of this. You know, ne- next time you go to get a haircut... Uh, ask yourself, am I going to this barber because I looked up to see whether he has a government license to cut hair? Or is it because my buddy said, yeah, this is a good barber? You don't even look at your doctor's license. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. Don't. Hey, hey, doc, what's your MPI number? Right? I don't even know what that means, yeah. probably. Yeah. I only know because I'm in healthcare, right? Yeah. I, I, I also want to say it's not, to me, it's not just the ins- uh, lack of incentive, let's say, because the government doesn't have competition. It also is there's a big corruption element to it, too, because so. So, for instance, you talked about this government form you had to fill on a website because it's not that they just don't build it uh, in the, the most seamless way possible because they don't have competition. They also give that job typically to someone who is going to pad their pockets. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at the healthcare website when they pass that. Spent, I don't remember, a billion dollars on it, I think, and it crashed in the first five minutes. And, and, and do you, and can, can you, I would have built that thing for $600 million, I tell you. <laughs> well, do you remember, this was a case, I'd forgotten until you just mentioned it, but back then, of course, the government spent all that millions of dollars to build the thing, and somebody came along, and for a couple thousand built a site that scrapes data and puts it all and does everything that the government site does but did it better at a fraction of the cost not just a, like less than a fraction yeah we're yeah, talking like yeah. a speckle yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable one thing i wanted to know from you was what you mentioned uh, public education earlier and what if you could fix one of these issues that we have where the government is completely corrupting the market destroying the market is that the one that you would go for, or would it be uh, healthcare or anything that, like that? Yeah, woof, that's a hard one. I have, that, my look, my that, wife asked me the toughest question ever, which is a follow-up that's even harder than this one. So, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. That's a that's a big problem in terms. It's a big problem in terms of its impact. In terms of dollars, it's not the largest problem. The largest problem, I believe, is Medicare, in terms mm. of dollars. Um, and you know how to solve that? God, look, I don't know. And the fact that I don't know, given my knowledge of economics, indicates that the politicians have no business trying to solve the problem. A bunch of people who know, know nothing about there are a bunch of lawyers out there right. telling us how to run the healthcare system. And, and that's the beauty of a competitive market environment. Let a bunch of people try things. And a lot of them will get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But some of them will get it right. And they will attract customers. Allow them to try things, exactly. by the way. Right, right. Yeah. And that's one thing we talk about all the time. Like, imagine if we had 50 separate, you know, little countries... <laughs> they all, right. If only, if that only were we something. had those, yeah. and they could try different things, you mm-hmm. know, and and then see what works and doesn't work, and people could vote with their feet, right, or their cars or whatever. Yeah, if <laughs> if only a bunch of if smart all, men 250 years ago had figured this out. Yeah. If only we had that option. Yeah, you know, wouldn't that be something? But in the healthcare thing, uh, look at what uh, Walmart Health is starting to pop up, and I know the it's a lot cheaper. I think you're going to see a lot of new people coming into this industry. Amazon Pharmacy, you know, like uh, Amazon, Phar- like we said, if you allow them to come into the industry people i do believe that a lot of these businesses can fix the healthcare industry if it 
if the regulators will allow them to do it. Yeah, and I think there's some evidence of this. If you look at the few um, health procedures that are not regulated, uh, think about LASIK surgery, think about plastic surgery, those prices have gone down over time where everything else has gone up. And another example here is uh, veterinary uh, health. Now, of course, you're talking about pets, but, you know, people often think of their pets as members of the Mm -hmm, family. mm -hmm. But there, the prices have been going down, not up. What's the difference? The difference is government involvement. What do we do to actually get this message to people? Because it's very important. We're talking, I don't want to be hyperbolic or anything. We're talking life or death for a lot of, for a lot of people. Yeah. This is actually pretty serious. Yeah, yeah. And so how do we get this across? I think it's by doing, you know, this is going to sound trite, um, but it's really the answer. It's doing exactly what we're doing now. It's talking to people. It's politicians will get away with whatever we allow them to get away with. And the more aware voters are of the reality that we're talking about, the less able politicians will be to get away with stuff. So we recently saw Elon Musk came out and something I've said for years, and thankfully he backs me up now. He must, <laughs> he must be listening to the yeah, podcast. That's what it is, yeah. you know? yeah. But he came out and, and said, you know, people don't like corporations, but government's the largest corporation of all. Yeah. And, and for people to start to realize that, like, okay, maybe you don't like corp- uh, corporations, they can be corrupt and greedy, sure. But the biggest one we have is the federal government. And so connecting those dots and then and somebody had replied, I saw that said, yeah, but, you know, with that may be true, but we get a say in the government. No, you don't. You <laughs> get less of a say in the I government know. than you do in the marketplace. No, and I could not believe that they're like, well, yeah, at least we get to vote like we get a say in government. It's like. You can vote with your dollars. You don't yep. have to set foot in a Walmart if you don't want yep. to. Absolutely if right. If you think they're evil, greedy, and the, the worst family in the history of the world, then you you literally, they can't make you shop there. And, and furthermore, if I choose not to shop at Walmart, I'm hurting Walmart, and Walmart is concerned about that. Yes. If, if I vote against Joe Biden, he only cares if lots of other people are also voting against him. My one vote, if I'm in the minority, doesn't matter. That's... How do we how do we change that concept, I guess, or that mindset where people think, oh, well, at least I have a voice like my vote is a voice and I don't have like Amazon is just going to I'm going to they're just going to ship packages to my house. I don't have a choice. (laughs) How do do, do we do to shift that mindset where people think they it's this I I guess this like um, this idea that they have a choice in government and this idea that they don't with corporations. I think it's a matter of familiarity. You know, we vote every two years, every four years. And so it's a big thing in our minds. We We don't stickers. Yeah. Yeah. But we're buying things multiple times a day. And so we Mm. don't think of it. But in reality, you're absolutely correct. It's a more effective form of voting by purchasing or not purchasing than the, going into a voting booth. What Charlie said, bad reviews. I mean, there's yeah, all right, yeah, exactly, yeah. right. Um, the the person that said that you get the, a choice in the government. The only way that analogy would match up is if I had another government I could go choose that yes. would be because right. I right. get a choice in corporations. Not only be it's what they're thinking is I should be able to vote Jeff Bezos out of his position that he's in. That I I think that's what they mean is that they don't get to change the corporate board, and and the actual way that you have that choice is by just. Not shopping on, yeah. on Amazon. Yeah, and the board will change the CEO just but I, like that. I, I yes. can't change. Yep. I can't change the government that's that's doing all of this. And not that I want uh, multiple federal governments. Please, God, no, don't do that. But we could have fifty separate governments that oh, were running things. That and, and I think how'd that, you come up with that number? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> a random. I looked it, at the map and I thought oh, I could only come up with about fifty. <laughs> spaces. Okay. And and I don't think yeah. people realize that you know we talk about states. And you think well they're just states. 
a third of our states are larger than most countries on the planet. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that people don't understand with the healthcare. I'm so sick of people talking about Denmark and about Sweden right. and all that. Like Denmark is like there's more people in New York City yeah, th right, than right, there are. Right. Try it in one place that has the population of Denmark. If you want to do that, I'm not going to be there, mm -hmm. but let's at least do it there first sure. and show how how wonderfully it's going to work out when you do that before you decide to tell me that we could implement that over our 2,000-mile-long borders and our 330 million people or however many there are. We yeah. have no examples of that actually working anywhere. Yeah, and, and, it's not, and you're absolutely right, but it's not just the size and the scope. It's also differences in, in needs and, and abilities. People in Appalachia have very very different healthcare needs than people on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And to try and implement something at a federal level completely ignores those differences. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was, uh, you do have a you do have a podcast which I listen to. It's yes. amazing. Words, Words and numbers. numbers. Yeah. Words and numbers. How often do you guys release episodes on that, just so everyone knows, so they can make sure that they go listen to it? Uh, yeah. Well, we come out every week, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Uh, and then we have bonus episodes. And if you'll allow me, I'll include this interview on our Saturday, usual Saturday bonus episode. Absolutely. A absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll just have to get some contact info and send, and send that over. Uh, but I just wanted to say I really appreciate the time that you've taken. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, we love listening to you talk, and so it's great to have a conversation <laughs> That's great. You. I do, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. 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 We have something in common. <laughs> Thank you, all right, sir. Take care, Anthony. <laughs> Thank you.